Now I remember it, cold and lonely as a comet, tracing my path down the sidewalk between Lexington and Third, the bank notice like a death sentence clutched in my hand. Asleep in the student lounge, warm waves from that great oak and wire hearth. What a lovely place this has been. What a wonderful world they have. And it could all go away for good. I'll have to warm myself up with the memories while I still can. Is that a new radio for the dorm lounge? They must have just bought that enormous thing. But I forgot my key. What was I dreaming of that night? So snug and safe in the radio's glow. All the music and romance and adventure I've ever wanted going straight into my head. There, sleeping in the chair near the gas lamp, I saw you. And in spite of everything, I was no longer afraid. So I knocked, knocked, knocked on the window glass. And I awoke. Yes, yes, I heard it. I heard it. It's nothing major. No, no, I understand. The ribbon might have gotten frayed. Don't worry. We've dealt with this before. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll talk to her. I'm on it. Joe, we need to do a mic check. Uh, what do you think? Too loud? Was I too loud? <laughs> what a production! Hey, Joe, we gotta do a recheck on the mics! Sorry, no, you weren't too loud. Uh, well, that I wasn't too soft, was I? Mr. Mira, you tune these cans well enough, and they can just about pick up anything in the studio. Jacob could tell you some funny stories about that from back when he wasn't aware of that. It's true. Experience has been a harsh master. And a fair teacher as well. My God, I haven't felt this young in ages. You know, I came up with all that on the spot. Every single word, straight from here. And that bit at the end, my God, did I say that? Did I actually say that? Couldn't put it better myself. And yeah, you actually did say that. And yes, I actually did clap like that at the end. You don't need to tell me twice. Promise to keep a lid on it till the next time, all right? You sounded like one of those symbol monkey things. <laughs> No, I'll try. I'll give it more than just a try when I kick your ass for doing that again, all right? Turning my show into a circus, my God! I can't believe it. God damn it. Joe, we need to do a mic check. Miss Astor, if you would have a word with me. I swear to God. Look at that. Joan of Arc has been silenced by the treacherous Burgundians. 
Better luck next time with the crusade, dear. I'm sorry about her behavior, Mr. Mira. She's been under a lot of pressure lately. We've had to do a lot of shoe leather reporting. She's been out and about for a lot of days. It's quite all right. I understand. She seems to be of an excitable temperament. Just her nature, I'm sure. Jesus, I'm sweating like a Lithuanian. Make up! Just joking, of course. Oh, no, Mr. Mira, it's, uh... If you're really in the mood, we can have the theater guys down the street fix you up. And give you some acting lessons while we're at it. No, no, that's fine. Everything's going just fine here. We don't need help with anything. <laughs> I'd hate to agree, but... Uh, but? Nothing. Everything's going swimmingly. The microphone is giving us issues, but, you know... That's out of our ballpark. You're doing great, Mr. Muir. We're sailing through this and getting good stuff along the way. Even Eliza's outburst added a little, uh, color to the proceedings. Thank you. But I don't think I'm tonight's standout. You really showed some shine out there, Jake. I've been listening to the radio for years, and I haven't heard anyone do their job half as well as you do yours. You're just saying that. No, I mean it. I've encountered many of these radio blowhards, and I can tell you honestly that you're the sharpest bastard I've met out of the lot. <laughs> I can tell uh, you still don't believe me. Under the circumstances, I'd say that's reasonable. Uh, then I'll prove it to you. You know, I was talking with an Albert Marx. Maybe you've heard of him. Mm, yeah, I have. He's the CEO of Marx Sheet and Metal, isn't he? Was. Now he's my chief sales executive. Anyway, I was talking with him, and he says that they're having problems with their agents. Too many are recruited directly from engineering or from college. He says they're eggheads who know too much about what they're talking about and not enough about how to say it. Are you saying I can help turn this problem around? That'd just be the start. If you do for me what you do on this show, you'll breeze through the ranks in no time. I could probably even see if I could get you a job representing my organization in Congress. Imagine the access you'd have, the influence, all the most important ears ready for your silvery speeches. That's very generous of you, Mr. Mira. I'm flattered, really, but at the same time, I do have commitments to the show. I mean, I can't just up and leave Eliza and everyone, even if it is for a cushy job like the one you're suggesting. I understand that. Just give it some thought. Here is some contact information. Just call me if you're interested. And interested I would be. Working with me will give you opportunities and advantages you couldn't have dreamed of before. And if it's money you're worried about, don't be. I'm willing to offer an impressive salary from the get-go. I believe in generous compensation for all my workers. And you would be ahead of all of them in my estimation. What can I say, Johnny? Simple farm boy like me, he's got to wonder what he did to deserve this kind of treatment. But yeah, I'll consider it for sure. So you're serious about all that sentence stuff, huh? Every word was true, my friend. To some degree, I've been thinking about it for a very long time. I guess Wolf Whistle is the grand departure then. Lots of people heard you say it. Yes, uh, I guess they did. If you don't mind my bragging. Wait, is that right? You know, I just realized I put the wrong number down. That's the old number. <laughs> A funny thing, memory. I'll fix it. Anyway, uh, not to brag, but I'd say that I have a good shot. 
Lord knows this country needs someone with business sense. Uh, are those lights? Why do you have lights on a radio show? My God, this night has been entertaining. Yeah, I installed those specifically for your amusement, Mr. Mayor. Glad to see you enjoy them. Ah, well, look at that. Saved from the burning stake. Let's hope the young witch has learned some matters. <laughs> Joe, is that your name? You, with the microphones. Show me to some more water, Joe. I'm parched. Eliza. What in the name of God are you thinking? Do you want to get us pulled? This is a guest tearing in on them like that? Jesus Jacob, Christ. Kay already told me all of this. There's no need to repeat it. Our show is on the crest of becoming truly great. Think of the sponsors we can get if we just push this through. After everything that source told me, do you really think I could go on air and kiss his ass? I know what he's like, believe me. But you have to be more realistic about this. I can't give him this kind of platform without also telling the truth. Now, will you help me with this? With tearing him down on air, ruining this show after years of hard work to get here? I'd rather join a soup line than become rich and famous sucking up to someone like him. You know this isn't right, because you know who he really is. I can see that. My personal feelings don't matter here. How do you know you can trust this source of yours, huh? Why should we take their word over his? You're right. Don't take it from me, or my source. Take it from Jonathan himself. Press him hard, see what he says. Then everyone will know beyond a doubt. I already know in my heart. And I think you do too. I do. So will you help me? Liza. Jacob! Do you have any good refreshments in the commissary? I'm in the mood for a treat right about now. Uh, one moment, Mr. Muir, I'll show you. Will you help me? You are a terror, Miss Astor. We can try it your way. No more accommodating hostmanship. I have an idea. Have you noticed how often he forgets things? Uh, Mr. Mira, if you could just come back to the desk for a second, we're back on in 30. Hey, Kay, do we have any more of that good cognac from last week when we talked to the, uh, the railroad owner? Mr. Mira would love some. You do have some, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it on in. Thank you. Don't attack him too soon. He's nice and comfortable right now. Here I am. Uh, apologies. I was so distracted. <laughs> Imagine if I wasn't here when we went back on. <laughs> I guess we'd have to find another you, huh? Can your Lithuanians help in that department? <laughs> Do you know that yet? No, 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 you probably don't. Uh, enough chit-chat. Mr. Mira, please be seated. Eliza, if you'll hand me that water. Microphone on? Yeah, it's on. Okay, there you are, you beautiful son of a bitch. All right, perfect. You'll enjoy this, Mr. Mira, especially since we have some cavassiers for you. All right, now, get out of here, gay. Here we go, we gotta start, ladies and gents. And here we go, folks, in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back. To 104 WPR Metro, everybody. As you might remember, well, as if you could possibly forget, we last ended with steel magnate Jonathan Mura announcing his bid for the Senate. The verdict's still out on whether or not this decision is official, however. Oh, I assure you it is, ladies and gentlemen. I assure you it is. This 
This is fantastic, by the way. I'm glad you like it. A very fine draft. It reminds me of a hotel I used to frequent in Red Hook. Uh, this was back in the Rain's Laws days, when drinks could only be served if along with a meal. Bartenders got around this by putting a brick between two slices of bread and placing one on each table. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't mean to digress. I'll tell you about those days some other time, my friend. Yes, you can regale me some other time with those stories. Now, I hate to gum up the works, but although your credentials as a businessman are spotless, your lack of political experience could be seen as a challenge for your campaign. I have faith in my credentials. I am well known in the business world for my intelligence, eloquence, and command. Traits becoming of a national leader, indeed. But I imagine politics can't be quite the same as business. No one doubts you know your way around a business contract or a quarterly ledger, but that's not the same as addressing the Senate floor or swaying a doubting crowd on the campaign trail. No, I know what you're getting at. You're right, of course. I haven't dealt with much public speaking in my career. But that can change. As long as I have a platform developed, I can work out the details in realizing it. With my mind set to this endeavor, I'm confident I'll be able to say whatever is necessary for the success. That seems like something that would be hard to know. Yes. Impossible, really. At least until election. Don't you wish you could just ask them right here, right now? Just look out and ask them what they really think. Well... Such a luxury would entreat me beyond measure, Mr. DeGrim. Yes, it probably would. And yet, wishing about it is all we can do. Silence is the ultimate sadism, Mr. Mira. If radio has but one lesson, it is surely that. That's why you should never, ever hold back on this show. If you want to be heard, there is no better place. Well, then, have at it. Ask me anything you want. Hooktown. Yes, Let's talk about Hooktown again. Well, Jacob, I thought we had already covered that. As you said quite eloquently before the break. I just wanted to go over it again for the edification of our listeners. I don't think that's necessary. Please, Jonathan, they're waiting patiently on the other end. We can't dangle this before them and draw it away, can we? Uh, all right, uh, that little chestnut again. So, uh, 900 men came over uh, from Lithuania. I promised to these men that I would house them on my own facilities, a quickly constructed development outside of Hooktown, courtesy of my real estate holdings, and charged them only slightly for room and board. Could you describe the development for me? I can. Uh, the development is square, 10 acres by 10 acres, and houses roughly 50 residential structures, constructed of white elm clapboard and arranged into very orderly grids. Most of the residences are single-family, but there are some communal longhouses. All buildings have beds and other arrangements, as well as utilities. Like I said, I deduct rental charges from the workers' wages, and they can do whatever they want with the rest. Food, clothing... Everything else falls under their jurisdiction. They're very independent with their finances, as you can see. Actually, I can't. They save or spend as they see fit. Yes. I run shuttles to take them into town whenever they need to buy goods or services. I gotta tell you, Mr. Muir, your accommodations are generous and all, but... Wow, 
That many immigrants all under your name? You're not the first one to tell me that. The Hooktown community has over 5,000 immigrants. It's a workload, rest assured. But it's worth its trouble many times over. Knowing that I'm giving so many ambitious young men the advantages I never had is endlessly, endlessly satisfying. My God, a community of 900 to a community of 5,000 in the space of a minute or so? Very quick reproduction rate, these Lithuanians. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me. I'm just kidding, folks. When did the original population of 900 arrive in the United States? Uh, of course. Uh, how silly of me. The original group came to America about six years ago. 5,000 is the population as of right now. Is 50 buildings the building count as of right now, too? Uh, well, uh, uh, Don't mind her, Jonathan. She's just impressed. Now, back to those Lithuanians. <laughs> How did they come under your supervision? Did you pick them up right off the boat? Uh, they were primarily the wives and children of the original arrivals. Ever since I became associated with the originals, I've maintained an attaché in Villainous to keep a correspondence between both sides of the Atlantic. I knew in advance when the second wave was coming, so yes, I was there to see them all. All right, so that's how you handled the later arrivals, but you still haven't told us how you managed the first group. Give me the details, logistics. When they arrived, did you bring them to their new home yourself? I committed a fleet to that service, yes. A number of trucks were waiting to take them to the camp. Them. What did them say when they heard all this? Ah, uh, now it becomes clear. We're getting ahead of ourselves, Jacob. You're making me to sound like some Barbary hijacker. As if I herded them into the trucks like sheep. The second they came down the planks, I was there. Uh, yes, with a handful of my own men. But our mission was diplomatic. Our intention was to persuade. As they came down the planks, we told them it would be worth their while to assemble in a nearby square. Once they were gathered, I approached them and told them of my proposal. All but nine agreed. Those nine left undeterred. The rest came with me to Hooktown, where they were immediately accommodated. Tell me, Mr. DeGrim, was that the horror story your listeners were waiting for? No, it was not, and I just wanted to clarify that for the audience. So, to recapitulate, the 900 came off the boats. You addressed them in mass. They agreed to your stipulations. You spirited them away to your camp, where they remain today. Yes, that is the story. Didn't they have to go through customs? I don't know anything about the process, and I'm sure I'm not just speaking for myself here, but surely there has to be some sort of song and dance to officially and legally welcome the arrivals. Was that part of your prior arrangements? Also, another thing I'm a little confused about, how you were able to get them over here in the first place. The single group you're talking about would have been well over the yearly quota per the 1924 Immigration Act. Would it? Uh, yes, I believe it would. You didn't know that already? Strange. Uh, well, be that as it may, I do have measures against this. And yes, it is a tricky process, but I have my resources. I actually have a number of contacts in customs that I befriended when I first arrived in America. While I was addressing these immigrants, customs men were doing the paperwork for me. These men were able to negotiate with immigration authorities as to the provisions of the quota. It took some doing, uh, believe me. Uh, but they were able to squeeze them in. 
Well, that's nice. How exactly did they do that? Like I said earlier, I don't know a lot about this process. Can you help make this clear for me? Uh, well, unfortunately, I couldn't be bothered to explain the minutiae of the process. That's the point of hiring experts to do it for me. Okay. I can believe you when you say you had customs men doing that work for you. But here's what I don't understand. How could you have gotten permission to house all those people on such a small parcel of land? 5,000 people in 100 square acres? You're the landlord of landlords. The answer is the same way anyone could. I bought it. It was for sale, and I purchased the entire plot. What I do with said plot is none of the law's business. Don't you mean none of your business? Uh, yes, sorry. And the government knew you were going to build all these residences? Uh, yes, officials were notified. The process was the same as if I was building a hotel or resort. I requested permission, received it, built my camp, underwent inspections, passed said inspections. If you want to see the permit, I can show it to you. The permit he happens to carry everywhere for some reason. Uh, no, no, of course it's not on me. You know, this show was much more enjoyable when my every action wasn't being scrutinized. I'm sure it was. All right, all right, all right. So the immigrants are at Hooktown. How long ago was all of this? I seem to have forgotten. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I myself forget things from time to time. Uh, let's see. The immigrants arrived um, uh, about six years ago. Yeah, yes. About, yes. All right. So six years ago, immigrants arrived. They agree to work for you. You bypass customs. They move to Hooktown. We're all caught up now. What now? I don't know. How much do they get paid? The Lithuanians. No, the customs agents. Yes, the Lithuanians. Um, uh, $15 a week. It's quite generous, considering all the fees I provide for free. $15 a week? Not too big of a hole in your finances. I'd imagine transportation costs alone are more. All those workers from Hooktown to Manhattan, day in and day out? Uh, yes. Expenses are many with the construction of the Constance Tower. Can you name the customs agents you talked with to arrange the immigrants' arrival? Surely there is a bureau chief who could provide documentation. We would like to review that sometime if we could. Uh, <laughs> well, um, uh, let me think. Eliza, uh, Eliza, didn't you hear the man earlier? He forgets things from time to time. Apologies. I had forgotten that myself. Now, wait just a minute. You two have become ravenous. I seem incapable of anything that doesn't warrant your bobs. Can't an old man be forgiven his slow memory? He does have a point there, Eliza. Apologies if we were being more demanding this time around, Mr. Mira. Sometimes we just get very inquisitive with our interviews, only to provide the listeners with plenty of information, of course. Uh, thank you, Jacob. Your apology is accepted. All right, all right, he does have a point. Let's drop the whole argument because this old man's memory is slow. Are you sure you're senatorial material, Mr. Mura? Is this how you treat all your guests? We can't all play nice, can we? Shame on you, Eliza. Insulting a guest like that? I'm sorry, Mr. Mira. We'll definitely have a talk with her after the show. Well, I look forward to the day when you have a new co-host, Jacob. Anyway, getting past the unpleasantness, where were we? Ah, yes. Worker pay. Yes, worker pay. That's where we were. Just want to get things back on the right track, Mr. Muir. Could you tell us your weekly salary again that the workers are paid? Uh, um, of course. Uh, like I said earlier, I appreciate your professionalism and courtesy, Mr. DeGrim. 
Anyway, uh, as for payment, I give my workers a salary of $5 a week. It's a very good sum in times like these, considering how much I support them in other ways. $5? Don't you mean $15? Well... I guess you really do have memory problems. It's true. You did say $15 earlier. Were wages slashed since you said that? I misspoke earlier. I meant to say $5 a week. But don't smear that against me. They're lucky to have jobs at all. But it was 15 originally, wasn't it? Uh, well, it, it was... Wasn't it? Uh, I can't hear you, Jonathan. <laughs> Our listeners can't hear you either. A long time ago, the overly generous wage of $15 was... So it was shortened. What happened? Is this a punitive measure? Uh, not exactly. Then what is it? I wonder what those custom agents would think about this. What opinion would they have? What I pay my workers is of no concern to the likes of them. The custom agents have no hand in this affair. Uh, no hand at all. Uh, everyone knows that. Everyone except the workers. You cut their wages, Mr. Mura, and by the sounds of it, you're planning on doing it again. Why? Tell us, and the audience, why these hard-working wards of yours deserve to have their pitiful living stipends further abbreviated. That's spoken with the assumption that I'm going to do it again. It's spoken with the knowledge that you're going to do it again. Ooh. Cutting these workers' wages is atrocious. Five dollars a week? You'll be the master of corpses in no time. Absurdity! Scandalous, slanderous, blockheaded absurdity. I have assigned myself the majority of these workers' needs. Food, water, clothing, housing, and Wait, 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 wait. Earlier, you said that you only provided housing, and even then you said that you charged them for room and board. You're becoming really charitable if you're paying for the rest of their expenses as well, Mr. Mira. I am a very, very generous man, Mr. DeGrim. But... Why is this? What's the need? Can the immigrants not pay their own bills anymore? Uh, yes. Uh, providing is difficult, but I'm more than up to the task. You know you're a very agreeable man, Mr. Mura. Well, I certainly try to be. Because you agree with our theories faster than we can create them. It's ridiculous. Tell me about it. I don't see where all this is going. Don't worry, you will. To regress... Their original wages were $15 a week, and their current wages are 5 a week. Perhaps these are just bad times. Perhaps you've already parlayed this out with your laborers. But that little tongue slip you gave us about your newly expanded responsibilities is very curious indeed. They're no longer paying their own living expenses, you said. Earlier, you said that you deducted a share of their wages for room and board and left the rest to them, but now you're saying you're paying for everything. Food, water, clothing, and housing. I'm confused about the motive for this sudden charity. It sounds a bit too generous. Huh. Not to me. If he's paying for everything, where do I sign up? If this is going to be a hostile interview, perhaps I should be on my way. No, 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 Mr. Mira. You've already announced your Senate candidacy on air on the most popular radio show around. You don't want that to be the impression your potential voters start with, do you? Hang around. Explain. If you're right, and you very well may be, your reasons will shine through. Uh, uh, very well. You've already given the answer, Miss Esther. Um, Astor. The times are bad. Everywhere, the vice is felt, the talents tightened, and the pressure on. And nowhere are times tougher than that Hooktown for my men. These are immigrants. 
They're laborers from a distant country, humble, simple men. They haven't a chance of surmounting this bare economy without the intervention of a party that knows its way around a depression. I simply thought it'd be kind if I shouldered some of their burdens. Is there anything objectionable about that? And you're funding this by slashing pay, right? You did mean to say that, didn't you? Uh, well, uh, yes, but it's still reasonable. Reasonable? <laughs> For the love of God, Jonathan, you're through! Your sad little waltzes can't explain this, try as they may. They were once paid $15 a week, now they are paid 5 They once paid their living expenses, but now they do not. Perhaps there is a third piece to this puzzle. Custom agents? Or lack thereof. What? Uh... You never negotiated with the customs agents, did you? You never made any arrangements to legally take the immigrants to receive the organization's blessing in your endeavors. Your own personal slave population of undocumented immigrants. A Barbary hijacker. Yes, that's what you did. They all went like sheep to your trucks thinking that they had been cleared, that they could begin their quest for plentitude in earnest. Unknowing. Blissfully unknowing. But that wasn't the case for long, was it? As soon as your Constance Tower funds began to tank, you had to cut expenses. So, naturally, you went straight to your slave population. You cut their wages. You gave them all their living expenses so you could cut them again. And you told them if the outside world heard anything about it, you'd have them all deported back to the hell and horror because, after all, they never got cleared. Never got their green cards or the blessing of Uncle Sam to live and work in the country that made a Highland castaway an Iron King. You never sent a petition to the USCIS for those immigrants' visas. Not that he could get it cleared if he did. One slip from them, and you could have them all sent back. So, what choice does a nationless man have? It's his lot in life, here same as there. He works, and he toils, and he hopes that in justice's name, things will just resolve themselves. After all, there's nothing suggesting this is permanent servitude. And, after all, you are a generous man. Maybe once the Constance Tower was finally finished, you would finally give them a damn wage. You insolent little one. I wouldn't do that if I was you. You treacherous weasel. There will be hell to pay for this. For both of you. Just you but wait. I guess at the moment there are far greater priorities at hand. The Constance Tower. It's shadow like a burial shroud over time and the city. Your legacy, dominant, over those debtors who said it would not be so. What better way to commemorate the American spirit? What better way to enshrine your own? Damn the immigrants, Jonathan, and damn the naysayers as well. Your bank was bleeding, but your tower still had to be built. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have it all wrong. It's not like that. It's not like that, I swear. Sadly enough, it is. Would you tell the audience otherwise? They've already heard every word. Uh, what? <laughs> no. It's just that... <laughs> oh, Jesus. You jackals. Got to mad cut things a little. It's true. Things were a little tight, but... <laughs> That was temporary. <laughs> I thought this was a country where a man could have his dreams. Can't he just do what he needs for their cultivation? Everything I've done, everything I've given, 
Is it too much to ask for just a little more? I just need a little more time and money, and it'll all be golden, I swear. <laughs> oh, dear God. So close. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I wonder how his political campaign will go. Not too far, I'd imagine. Not too far at all. For all of you at home listening to this show, please take note. Injustice is a cunning beast. It slinks, slithers, shelters in the warmth and darkness of places we'd never expect it to hide. But remember this. Never lose stock of your situation, ladies and gentlemen, be it the present or the past. This man came here with nothing and built his fortune from scratch. But in doing so, he bankrupted himself of a little something the rest of us take for granted. That spark of human decency we here champion with our every living breath. This man will leave here with nothing. But in my eyes, he came with nothing as well. An immigrant turned away from our shores, rejected from the lights he only thought he saw. I hope this show has been informative, ladies and gentlemen, and what's more, I hope it's been fun to hear. Good night, 20th century. We at WPR thank you for your time. Who's stronger than an ox? Who's as gentle as a lamb? Who's smarter than a fox? Who's as sweet as honey jam? Who's the best there ever was? A real big old prize. Why, grocious, of course. That wasn't no surprise. Don't miss The Grotius the Great at 10 o'clock, 104 WPR Metro. I did not slip onto the faraway waves, did not break against the rocks like the thoughtless tide. It did not crawl freezing towards the lighthouse fires. Oh, for nothing. Now I see the hand that mines the shutters of her blazing eye. Now I see the machines that sweep her gleaming stones. I will step up the spiral staircase. I will go on through the door at the end. I will give you Everything I have. I will not have the door shut before me. Hello everyone. My name is Alex Basis, and I am your humble host here at 104 WPR Metro. The performers of tonight's programming were in order of appearance. Nicole Leslie is Banquist, John Katona is Bertolio, Bill Knight is Kay, Nate Nelson is Jonathan Mira, Brock Vickers is Jacob DeGrim, Emma Scherzarko is Eliza Astor, Jaden Bianco as Boy in Commercial, Molly Rose Smith as Girl in Commercial, and J.D. Hawk as the Radio Announcer. The music for tonight's episode included... My Old Kentucky Home by Ford Hanford from the Free Music Archive, and Gymnopédie by Eric Satie from Muse Open, both sourced under the Creative Commons license.
If you like tonight's episode, follow us at 104WPRMetro at Twitter.com. Also, like and subscribe at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, among other podcatchers. Also, be sure to leave a review at Apple Podcasts and other podcatcher websites.